The NCAA tournament had its first weekend, the round of 64 and round of 32. We're going to tell you all you need to know and all about the draft prospects that showed out in this first weekend and what to look for going forward. Coming up on Locked On NBA Draft. You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen. You know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter, and I'm joined by Leaf Tulin at Leaf Tulin. He was at the games in San Diego. Leaf, talk to me about what you saw and how great was that experience? Yeah, it was awesome, man. Especially, uh, especially last night with uh, ending in the probably the game of the tournament in Arizona and TCU. Um, being at that was awesome. Uh, you saw some prospects that. I think some were mainstream names, like namely Benedict Mather, and everyone's raving over his 30-point performance. But I saw some guys that I think were a little deeper dives that I'm excited to get into uh, and, and really excel in, on a big stage. And I think they, if scouts were there, which I'm sure they were, uh, may have had the same impression. So I'm excited to dive into that. And it was awesome to watch some great basketball in the second round. The first round, the four games we went to weren't exactly, uh, exactly barn burners, but uh, yesterday was exactly as bargained for. Yeah, the games out there were incredible. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a TCU shirt right now. Um, I'm still a little bit hurt. You know, I've been covering TCU now for five years, and uh, I, I really thought this is going to be their year to break out. And I want to issue an apology, speaking of, because we did our brackets last week, and I couldn't. if you listen to me, I am so terribly sorry. Hopefully you didn't, uh, and you were intelligent, and just said, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, because if you did that, you're probably in the 80th percentile, because I'm in the 20th percentile in my bracket. I chose I chose Iowa and, and Illinois in the Final Four with Iowa winning, and uh, to say the least, that did not happen. Both are gone. Uh, Illinois survived two more days than, uh, or excuse me, three more days than Iowa, but how's your bracket looking right now? I started off really, really well. Um, day one, day two are good for me. Well, day one and day two, like the morning session, the last four games of day two did did not do well for me. Um, I changed a few. Actually, what's funny is I changed ones that you you had correct. Uh, at Miami, uh, I, I had all along, and I put it at like 10, 13 in the morning when 10, 15 was the closing times. So I changed it to USC, and then I changed one more that uh, that night. And so I went like 0 for 2 um, to that night. And so I fell to like third. And then I regained first on the day three. So the odd number of days are good for me. The evens are not. I'm, I'm sitting in like sixth in our big group. But um, I got a chance. I, I need Villanova. I need Villanova to beat Arizona. So I was hoping I was hoping Villanova uh, would, would win. And they did. And then I was hoping TCU because I was in the crowd. I was actually in the Arizona section, but I was still chanting Eddie. You know, we were, we were getting after it, and I was hoping TCU could take care of Arizona for, for our bracket group, see if I could pull out a W. Yeah, we made a gra- bracket group for Draft Twitter, and anybody really who followed us on dra- on Twitter and wanted to be a part of this, shout out right now to Kendall Pugh, who's a, who's a Mavs fan, and I apologize terribly if I just botched your name. But uh, he is currently sitting alone in first place, followed by Locked On Thunder host, Rylan Styles. Uh, so that may mean, you know, we have some differing takes between me and Rylan on draft prospects such as Kennedy Chandler. So maybe you want to take his advice over mine. I cannot apologize enough for how wrong I led everybody on this. But 
Uh, let's talk about a little bit more in specific of some of these games. I, I really do think Iowa losing to Richmond started off um, the weekend pretty crazy. I, I didn't win a game really until I think the one seed started playing. But, I mean, it's hard to not talk about the obvious. Kentucky and St. Peter's. I mean, the whole St. Peter's run is incredible. What Did what, did you watch either of those games? I know it was hard being yeah. in San Diego, but uh, talk to me about that, what you saw. Well, St. Peter's is uh, – I mean, obviously, they're not going to be as athletic as Kentucky, but what I saw is their execution was – like, they weren't rattled by Kentucky's athleticism. Uh, I heard J.J. Redick talk about how they run really, really advanced stuff, and obviously, he's got a better eye than, than we do for this, but it, just on, like, watching the game casually um, and while watching other games in day one – I noticed, wow, they're getting some like tough shots, but they're like getting shots that they need to take to win this game. And they hit the threes they needed. Uh, their execution when they were down three late, I think it was 63-60, and they end up going to overtime at like 67-67. Um, they hit they hit a three and then got in the paint and hit a floater to tie the game. And it was all off like some really good action getting Doug Eddard, their best shooter, um, coming off pin down through elevator screens. And Kentucky should be able to overwhelm their ball handlers. And their ball handlers and big stayed strong and, and did a great job. And then they beat Murray State. And I was not able to catch as much of that game. But uh, in the parts I did see, I was really impressed with their composure when Murray State was trying to press and get the ball back when they were trailing. And uh, fly, Peacocks, fly. Yeah, they're they're the new Cinderella. It's always fun when a team like this comes along. No 15 seed has ever made it past the sweet 16. So they're at the line They're you know, that next, uh, the next great barrier for a 15 seed. Who knows? Uh, I, I really do think that that was a tough matchup for Kentucky. Purdue has had its flaws. I don't know though, if Purdue really gives this one up. I feel like this could be their first blowout of the tournament. Um, I, I really think that's, that's headed towards that way. One other team I wanted to talk with matchup, I guess, or no, I'll say team. Uh, is Michigan. I mean, they're a team who I thought they didn't even really belong in the tournament. The whole Jawan Howard thing ending the season was weird. They lost in the first round to Indiana. And I was really confused how Indiana got the play in, but not them. Well, the tournament does this every year. The tournament committee does this every year. We all we saw it with Syracuse a few years back. We were like, really, them? And then they made a Final Four run. Michigan right now is in the Sweet 16. They took down Tennessee. Um now they're getting Villanova, and I don't know if that's going to be the easiest matchup. And one player who I think has really helped this stock, basically from the Colorado State game alone, because he didn't do much versus uh, Tennessee, but uh, Caleb Houston helped them get on a run that put Colorado State out of reach. What did you think of that game and, uh, and, and Caleb Houston overall? What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, that was an interesting game. I, I actually was of the belief that Michigan deserved to be in because they finished the regular season strong. Um, but what, what I thought about these two games, and I watched all of both of uh, Michigan's games, I thought that Caleb Houston's shot making, um, like he made step in threes and he hit and he uh, got a few rebounds and putbacks, but they were so timely against Colorado State. And when they were starting to mount their run to become, uh, to take the lead in that game in the early second half, Caleb Houston hit two threes. He had a putback early. You saw that his size allows him to get shots over some smaller players. The, the Colorado State's a really good team, pretty athletic team, but they're just not as tall physically. And uh, he sh he showed that his high release and, and form were pure in that one. And then uh, Tennessee-Michigan was an awesome game, and I, I was impressed with the guard play of Michigan where they were – Ken Chandler was excellent in that game. We've actually been fairly critical of him in comparison to Ty Ty Washington, which is obviously a really good prospect, but that's kind of the, the two we've compared them to. Um, but 
Michigan's guards were able to score and then get Hunter Dickinson touches. And I thought Houston didn't play great, but Diabate did a good job keeping balls alive if we're talking about Michigan freshmen. And you're right, Villanova's got their hands full because Hunter Dickinson's a load in the post. And if Houston and Diabate and some of these younger guys, along with Eli Brooks, are shooting well, that could be a tough matchup in the Sweet 16. Yeah, Michigan's going to be a tough out. I uh, come come honestly this whole ne- uh, next weekend with the Sweet 16, and I, I believe the Elite Eight's also this weekend, right? Yeah, it's uh, okay. Just make sure twenty fourth and twenty sixth, I think. Makes sense. Yeah, the timing always confuses me. I just know it goes into April, which still doesn't make sense, but I get it at the same time. Um, so uh, when we come back, we will be talking about a few players more in detail. We're going to go into that Arizona State TCU game and break down some players from there, and then also Keegan Murray. But first. If you're looking to bet on the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 that are happening this weekend, as we just confirmed, look no further than betonline.net. They're the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info, and BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just college basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs. So, uh, you know, when football comes back, hockey, NBA, they got it all, as well as your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Our next partner has a product that I have started to use ever since they sent us a sample, and that is Athletic Greens. I hadn't really heard of them before uh, they sent us this sample, but I wanted better health, more energy, you know, more optimized immune system, and I don't want to take pills and vitamins or anything like that. I want a supplement that actually tastes great. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, food-sourced uh, superfoods, probiotics, and adopted ad- adaptogens. Excuse me. Uh, a lot of words that I am learning for the first time. Uh, that you may be learning it the first time too, and hopefully you can pronounce adaptogens a little bit better than me uh, to help start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging, everything. And on top of that, uh, it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in, in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. So go ahead, uh, go to, uh, excuse me, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop, a a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So back on Locked On NBA Draft uh, with Leaf Tulin. You know, Leaf was in San Diego for some of the biggest games of the weekend. Um, He was uh, particularly, again, I'm wearing this TCU shirt. It's Monday. I'm pretty sad. Um, I'm not going to lie. I I really, I I haven't invested emotionally in this team until, until yesterday. Uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been more objective and trying to cover it. And uh, it, it was a really special run. I've seen this team go from the bottom uh, where they were continually overlooked. Their student section was empty. And then over the years, Desmond Bain really built this program up. And Mike Miles has continued that. And this year, they made the NCAA tournament for the first time since, I believe, 2018, uh, 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. Um, and 
to me, it was truly special. I thought they had a really good chance to knock off Arizona. I chose it in my bracket. Again, if I chose it in my bracket, it's probably wrong. But uh, we had some pretty strong takeaways about some of the players in that are going to be in the draft from this uh, from the, this game. There are about four we're going to talk about, two from each team. Um, I'd say two are probably more likely to be drafted than the others, and, and two are kind of deeper cuts. Let's start with Benedict Matherin, because I, I think Matherin is the guy who is easiest – to target because he, he's a top 10 prospect. He's, he's going to go first round. Uh, the lottery, excuse me, it, it really depends on where in that first round is more than anything. And against TCU, he had 30 points on 8 of 19 shooting, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. And he's 6'7", wing, really athletic. I think he profiles more than a 3 and D. What do you think of Benedict Matherin, and what did you see last night that stood out? Yeah, Matherin as a as a general prospect is one of those guys I've been high on for throughout the year. I, I think when Johnny Davis had his like awesome run where he scored thirty seven on Purdue, a lot of people were taking Johnny Davis over Matherin, and I and I kept Matherin ahead. and And I think, I think the reason is his translation to the NBA is is seamless. He he shoots the ball really well, and like you said, I think he's got potential to be more than just a three and D, and he's got the. I don't want to say floor, but like the, the just the seamless transition to being a floor of just a three and D. And when you watch him in person, especially last night, you see in the big moments, he didn't shy away. And I was really impressed with, yes, that shot he hit um, to tie the game was unbelievable. And the dunk was unbelievable. But what I impre- what impressed me a lot was his off ball movement, his finishing. And he got, he came with loose balls. He had, he had four offensive rebounds. And a bunch of them were in critical moments. He was tough. He played at the top of the press, him and Dalen Terry, and they created uh, deflections and turnovers. And, it, you know, it's just hard to build. Like, if you if you go into a lab and you say, I want a three and D wing, you may be able to say, like, I, I want him to be 6'8", Matherin, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, but, like, he's pretty much the prototype. He shoots the ball really well. He shot 11 of 12 from the free throw line, I want to say, in that game, maybe 11 of 13. Uh, being there, I wasn't looking at stats, but this is just like the general recollection. Um, but yeah, his shot's really good. His defensive awareness is good. His off-ball cutting, which is a lot, lot of Arizona scheme, is really impressive, and he finishes well. So I came away impressed, but I didn't think his thirty was like the loudest thirty. I think, like for instance, Johnny Davis's thirty-seven against Purdue was loud. Um, Matherin finds a way to play within the team, which is going to be his role in the NBA. And I don't see like the stardom associated with like a top-five pick that in Matherin like I think some people on Twitter are associating with it yeah he's a tough player like I think you said it really well he's a two-way player with a floor of a three and D guy Uh, I think he can do a little bit more than just shoot and defend Uh, also really good cutter which is a key component for any three and D wing especially we saw it last night where he posterized Eddie Lampkin Um, it was it was disgusting Matherin, though, has been hot since February. Over the last 15 games, he scored double digits in every single game. And in that stretch, he's averaging 19.5 points on 45% shooting, 39% from three, 80% from the free throw line. And, he's, and his passing has really improved. Three assists a game over that span. Um, he averages two and a half assists for the year. So, I mean, that's a big improvement over what we saw at the beginning of the year. One of my big concerns for him heading into the season was he needs to improve his passing fundamentals. I, I really didn't think... He was that natural of a passer. And then February and on, he's really clicked. He's made some more advanced reads. Uh, He's running some more pick and rolls. It was really impressive. Uh, I really like him. I think he's going to be one of those guys where he's not going to fail. You're going to get good return on investment. Are you going to get star upside? Probably not. But, I mean, there's there's an argument to be made that 
an elite three and D guy at the worst. Like, I mean, if he ends up in that three and D uh, role playing role, uh, I, I do think that there is upside to be an all-star. We have seen guys like that flirt with that title. And uh, I, I do think Matherin is that another player that is pretty intriguing is his teammate. And that's Daylon Terry. Daylon Terry is um, he's, he's unique. He's six, seven, 195, So he's pretty skinny. Um, but he averages eight, four, or eight points, excuse me, five rebounds and four assists on 50% shooting, 35% from three, and 73.5% from the line. And I think he's pretty good at defense. What did you like from him last night, and what have you seen all year on Terry? This is going to sound crazy, but before, just before uh, Matherin hit that three to tie, I think the score was 72-70, so it was 75-72 when he hit the three to tie. But I think it was a 72-70. My friend and I were talking uh, at, during one of the breaks, and we said, I don't feel like Matherin's had that great of a game, despite I think at that point he was at like 22 points. And I was like, I think Dalen Terry's had just as big an impact with two points at the time. Well, Dalen Terry, you know, he had five at this point because he, he had a three, a huge three in the corner. But every big run that Arizona went on in that game, and you could feel it because we were in the Arizona section, and it was loud, and it was a home venue for, for Arizona and VA Arena at San Diego State. Every run that Arizona went on was spearheaded by Dalen Terry providing pressure, steal, throw ahead, Mather, and dunk. Uh, Dalen Terry pokes the ball away from Miles, turnover, they get a three. Uh, and his his impact is so much larger than the numbers. He guarded Mark, Mike Miles the entire game. The, the way he him and Coloco stretched out every pick and roll for a point guard of the quality of Mike Miles was unbelievable. He rebounds the ball. He pokes the ball away. He hits the open shot. I really think I would take him this year. I think he's going to come out next year and be a higher, more highly regarded prospect. But I would take him as a storage pick and, and say, hey, like at worst, you're going to be a, a very much plus defender. And yeah, you can put on some weight like his body can put on some weight. But like that's the least of my concerns. Uh, and I think he's one of the best three, four defenders in the nation right now. Like he's he's six, seven with a seven foot wingspan. And he his his activity level is off the charts in person. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he was all defense in the Pac-12. So uh, my pretty good on defense stance goes uh, from very good on defense. And yeah, that that game last night was just absolutely locked down. I don't know exactly what Arizona's recruiting class looks like. I know they have Dylan Anderson, uh, who's a center coming in, who's a fringe top 100 guy. But I, I really feel like if Dalen Terry stays another year, that scoring average can go up from eight points a game to probably over double. I mean, I, I really do think the size alone and the slashing ability would help him a lot. If you can't, Andy plays shooter, point guard Andy plays point guard for them. Yeah, like uh, it's, they played Justin Kyer and Kirk Risa, but he's their point guard. Yeah. He he's so versatile and he can, like you said, he can guard up very well. That size makes him very intriguing as a prospect. I think he's one of the better, probably rising juniors come next year for the 2023 draft, which continues just if he's in that, that draft gets even stronger. Um, switching to the TCU side, I've talked about these guys at, at length. Uh, I'll give a quick rundown of why I like Mike Miles and Damian Ball. Let's start with Mike Miles. You know, he, he wasn't very efficient this year, shot under 30% from three, uh, under 43% from two, had 38% for the year, but still got 15 points a game, four assists, uh, three and a half rebounds and forced to steal every game. But he went, and also all big 12, third team or second team. I can't remember. Maybe even first, I know he was on the all big 12 uh, in some capacity, but I've talked about him at length. I really do buy his overall skill that when, even though he had 
in a horribly inefficient night. He was still making TCU so much better. He's what makes them go. And to me, that's a high quality in a point guard. Like no other position needs that more than a point guard. That what can you do when you're when you're not putting the ball in the basket? How can you impact the game? And Mike Miles still impacts the game at a high level. We also saw that in the FIBA U19s. He was teammates with Chet Holmgren, uh, Patrick Baldwin, all those guys, and really made an impact. And on top of that, he's 19 till the summer. So talk to me about what you saw of Mike Miles. You know I've talked about him just about every single episode I've squeezed him in. What did you like from him? I I liked his composure. The fact that when being defended by Dalen Terry and Christian Coloco on pick and rolls, uh, he he was able to take them away from the play and throw passes. He, he would get into the paint, and even though he's missing some push shots and floaters, uh, he was able to sit there and kind of just hold off dribble and survey. I uh, like the composure. He went. He made all of his free throws, which is a big thing to me. Like, if you can make your free throws, I believe that you can make threes. And his passing, his vision's very good. Uh, he missed a few bunnies. I'm sure he'd like to have back, um, but but Arizona's length is irregular, and that gets you ready for the NBA. And I think he can play in it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, Damian Ball was who impressed me this weekend. Like I, I, Miles was really good, and I think he's the higher profile name. But I think Damian Ball might be more ready to play in the NBA than Mike Miles initially. Yeah, I don't know if my if uh, Damian Ball ever really consistently plays in the NBA, but. At the least, he's a pro, whether it's the G League, whether it's in Europe. He could play in a high-level Europe league. I, I really do believe that. Um, he broke out this year as a junior, transferring in from Memphis, averaging uh, – went from three and a half points per game to ten and a half. really upped those assists. He was a combo playmaker next to Mike Miles, really good on defense. Um, I really just don't think he gets enough love. I, I Like I said, I was at every home game but like three uh, this year in, at TCU, and every single time I, I watched him – you just come away going, dang, this guy's impact is just ridiculous. And those guys stick one way or another. They're the guys who who make teams go as a combo guard. You know, he's impacting game defensively. He has really good handles. He's getting to the line. I uh, can use both hands. His shot, when it falls, is really impactful. Um, what did So what did you like about Damian Baugh in particular? Was it Because it's hard when he can't shoot and he's 6'3", but what else stood out for him? He's always in the right spot. He's uh, he's always in the right spot offensively and defensively. His passing, oh, Jamie Dixon. First of all, I want to say like that that guy's game plan against Seton Hall was phenomenal. His out of timeouts got them layups every time. Against Arizona, they come out and build an eleven two uh, two lead. Um, they're down eight sixty eight sixty or something, and they come out and execute at an unbelievable level. So props to Jamie Dixon, but. I think Damian Ball like was the secondary creator for this team. Like Mike Miles is the point guard, and he's very good at it. But what impressed me maybe more was when the ball was swung and then Arizona had adjusted, Damian Ball was able to get into the paint, carve out some space, and then dump off to cutters. He hit the threes. Uh, Ball gets the rim. He's got a really quick first step. And then defensively, his anticipation is elite. Like he gets he gets in passing lanes. He pokes the ball away and creates an uh, – transition and he's just his takes are really strong like he's a i understand he's a junior so it's like less impressive than if a 18 year old were doing it but still like you're going against christian coloco and he puts his body in and puts his whole body into coloco and it extends out and flicks up layups and he's got good finishing ability around the rim and then he did that against ek um obiagu for um seton hall as well so i was just impressed in general with his positional awareness his creation and his uh, defensive instincts are really impressive as well as just kind of basketball IQ. And if he could shoot, if he could shoot 
75% from the free throw line, which is a big jump because I think he's like 67%. And I don't know what he shoots from three. I'd guess around like high 20s. If he can make that like 34%, um, if he were to play another year in college, I think he's going to leave though. Uh, I really I really do think he's a late second round pick. And you, you take a flyer on him and say, you can be a really good player in the G League and you might be able to crack our rotation. Yeah, I agree. All that's attainable, and those are probably the realistic goals. I'm I'm hoping to see him work out in some of the other TCU guys work out this summer, and you know I want to see how that shot develops. That would be that would be huge for for him going pro. So on the other side of this, we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into Keegan Murray. It's about that time we'll restart doing these player profiles. We're going to start with my title winner's be, uh, best team that obviously has no chance to win the title, being eliminated in the third game of the tournament. And that's Keegan Murray. But first, let me tell you about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You often endure pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and while and you wait while the person behind the counter orders their parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. Well, you have a computer and a phone with access to rockauto.com, uh, so save time and money when using Rock Auto, and you can save up to 30%, 50%, or even 100% for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So rounding out the show, we are going to take a deep dive into our first deep dive profile in Keegan Murray of Iowa. This is somebody who, if you have listened to us since we've started back in, uh, I, I've lost track of time, but it was the beginning of the season. We, it was pretty much here to start the year before he came on full time. I had him as the college basketball monthly guest. Uh, and he turned me on to Keegan Murray. He was like, hey, this guy on Iowa, he could be a player of the year candidate. And he's really strong. He said all this praise. And I was like, meh, I don't know if I'm that into him. And now here I am having him as a potential top five pick on mock drafts. I have him number seven right now. Could see him climbing on my board. Talk to me about what you like about Keegan Murray. And let's start on the strengths of what you've really seen from him and what you think will translate to the NBA. What I think will translate is his defense. I think that's the easiest thing that will translate is he's an elite defender. He can guard one through five pretty well at the college level. I'm not saying you want him to be guarding your five man and you want him to be guarding your one, but he can. And I think two through four is very comfortable for him. And then I think the biggest knock about him initially was, oh, can he shoot? Well, he shot 41% from three uh, this season. In, in some of these games in the Big Ten tournament against Indiana, he went eight of ten from three. Like, yeah, he can shoot the ball now, and he's got a very fundamental game. I think the greatest thing about him in an NBA roster is that you don't have to go to him for him to score. Like, you saw that for him as a freshman, um, playing with Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, uh, Jordan Bohannon. He was, like, the, the, the fourth option, maybe fifth option on that team, and yet he had really impactful games where he was a cutter, he finished strong. He makes his free throws. He does everything right defensively. He gets blocks on the weak side. He can be a, he can be a rim protector, secondary rim protector, and he, you know, he added isolation to his game. And so a lot of people that we, we talk about were like, oh, that well, their projection is a three and D. They're a, they're only a role player. He's a role player extraordinaire, and then he has isolation skills that he developed after the fact of being an excellent role player. Like, 
I don't know if I want to compare him to Mikel Bridges, but I think like the body type and like the, the way he can play defense, he's not quite as like slithery as Mikel Bridges, but his role can be three and D step in right away. And his defense will be a little different. So he'll be more of like a rim protector, maybe like a Jaden McDaniels type, the way he defends as opposed to Bridges being like the D perimeter guy, but he's a better shooter than McDaniels. He's, he's older though. He's older than McDaniels. And he's a more refined score, even though McDaniels was a lottery type talent. And so I think there's something to be said for his isolation creation and then just how well he will play a, any role like seamlessly. And I think a team to watch for taking Murray is, is the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Hey, the, in the, and excuse me, the Grizzlies have that. Um, who's the pick they have? They, they have somebody's pick because uh, they have a ton of them coming in. I know they have two and they'll wait first, but. Uh, I really do think they could package up and move him, move in to get him because he would be such a great fit. You said Mikhail Bridges, two names that I've had on my scouting report for him uh, that have stood out. One is Marcus Morris, uh, plays very similarly to him. And then I'm going to steal this from uh, my boy Simon at Hawks Draft Nerd. He threw it out perfectly, and I, I can't unsee this, which is Danny Granger. Uh, they're both the same size, 6'8", roughly. Um, a little bit of the same play style. Danny Granger also averaged 26 points per game at one point in Indiana, was an all-star elite scorer, uh, I would say, for for his window when he was healthy. Um, a little bit of a difference, though. I mean, like you said, the defense is just unreal. He he had two games less, I believe, this season than Walker Kessler in recording a block, and that's ridiculous. When you think of Walker Kessler as probably the best shot blocker in the country, all things considered, um, to be in that company is pretty ridiculous as a defender he has great lateral quickness he's shut down johnny davis a couple times he's been tested in the big 10 he's really good in quick offense i think his game scales up very easily because of that because the nba is so quick and on top of that you know he's a three-level score i think he can shoot from mid-range very easily he can pull up from three and he can finish at the rim um the another thing that's really special to me is just the both the ability to cut and be a pick and roll role man while also being a playmaker and running some pick and roll himself. Uh, there's so many strong things you could say about his game. And, and one last one before we go into weaknesses is just the ability, the turnover usage, or the turnover to usage ratio, I should say. He has a 30% uh, usage rate, which is really high. That's, that's, that's star level uh, usage. He's the one man show at times on that team, or I, I should say the man, the alpha and he's averaging one turnover a game. Like, that, that is ridiculous. You look at the amount of time someone else has the ball in their hands on these other teams where they're the stars, and nobody is even coming close to that. And on top of that, a lot of bigs get ripped, especially when they go to the post. Keegan Murray doesn't have that. So none of these turnover issues apply to him. Um, but let's talk about some of the weaknesses. I'll let you kick this off. What are some areas of concern for you about Keegan Murray at the next level? If you were to put him in a situation where he's like a designated score, which is why I said like the Grizzlies would be an ideal fit because it doesn't have to be, and he can just play the, the amazing role player, is I don't think he's got unbelievable explosion. He's a very much plus athlete, but his his is very like fundamental um, and functional athleticism as as opposed to just like jump out of the gym, like measure unbelievably in terms of like ver testing. Um, I don't find that to be a terrible weakness at all. I mean, we're, we're trying to nitpick a player who's who's going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, I really – I do think that um, his his shot needs to be a little quicker. He has a high release, um, but in the NBA, it's a little different than the Big Ten. The Big Ten is one of the slower, like, pack-it-in defensive conferences. 
And I think that allows him to get more space to shoot. And obviously that, you know, it's still impressive shooting 40% from three, but I think if he's going to excel as a three and D in the NBA, he needs to get a little quicker release. Um, and then, I, and I think that's really my main one. I think, I think there's something he could work on in terms of facilitating, but that's not really the role he'll be do, uh, doing. Cause like he's a fundamental passer. He doesn't turn it over much, but he's not like Matherin. We talked about Matherin's plus upside coming off picks and throwing lobs to Coloco. That's not really Iowa's offense, but um, Murray wasn't necessarily a great facilitator, but a nitpicking. And I don't think that's going to be his role. So I don't really have a big issue with it. Uh, what about you? Yeah, exactly. Like some of the concerns just really don't apply to him that much because of what you're asking him to do. If you're if you're evaluating him, like how do you build the greatest basketball player ever? Yeah, you might you're going to have some issues with the playmaking, but kind of like you said, evaluating within the role, it really does favor uh, what Murray does. For me, some of the concerns, I'm, I'll just address the elephant in the room. He'll be 22 with, before training camp. He's a sophomore. He's old for his class. I get it. Age to me, though, like, I mean, when you're so I care more about the sophomore status playing two years of this competition than um, than the actual number. I think that number can be twisted a lot. And sometimes that number is relative. A 19 year old who's ahead in his year and 19 uh, behind in his year are two different things. And uh, there's a lot of context that goes into it. So. Uh, that is a clear elephant in the room. That's a big reason why he's not going higher on mocks or big boards. He's also a little bit of a tweener. I don't know if he's a small forward or power forward. I also don't know how much that actually matters, but uh, I don't know exactly which position, quote unquote, you roll him out on. Uh, and then lastly, you know, great on defense. Uh, or excuse, well, two things. I say lastly, but two last things. Uh, great on defense overall. The one minor nitpicking thing is his recovery ability is a little bit subpar. I would say it's like, slightly below average but you know overall i don't think it's going to be a fatal flaw to him it's just going to be what separates him from being a great defender and a good defender and then now actually lastly coming down to his three-point shots you talked about how he does have some work to do on threes the movement threes is something that i see as a major improvement for him um he being able to do that would separate him i think that would put him into top five in this class discussions uh so that those are my strengths and weaknesses to cap it off where which, what is the highest you would be comfortable taking Keegan Murray in a mock just off quick off the top of your head? Because mine personally is number five. I'm, I'm curious where you're at. I think I'd go six, um, but I could make an argument for five. I, but we're, we're in the same boat. I mean, the, the age is the slight deterrent for uh, five because, like, you could look at a guy like A.J. Griffin. Um, but I think there's a huge delineation. And I was having this exact discussion last night. I think there's an enormous delineation between fourth pick and fifth pick. Like whoever's got five after the ping pong balls decide it um, is going to be really disappointed. And I think they're going to try to trade down. And, um, and that's not a knock on AJ Griffin, uh, Benedict Matherin, Keegan Murray. If people fall in love with Hardy or Jovic or any of these guys that we, we will talk about soon. I, I just think that there's such a delineation from tier one to tier two. And so I, I could make an argument for five. I'd probably go with six just because 22 is a lot different than 18 to me. But, um, but I, I, yeah, I love Keegan Murray. As you know, I was high on him all, all year um, before this year. And the fact that he shot 40% from three stunned me. Like I, I told you, I was like, oh, if this, this guy can like shoot 30%, like he's a, he's a draft NBA player. And you were kind of like laughing at me. Like, and I think this is off camera. Um, well, I didn't, and I. this is no credit to me, but I didn't see 40% coming at all, and now he's made himself into a lottery guy. So, yeah, I can I can see top six um, pick, and, and I think if Memphis gets a hold of him, watch out. 
Yeah, and I, I think that I agree with you, actually. That's kind of why I have them five. Same logic as to why I have them five, just different conclusion. And, uh, you know, I hate the term one, or excuse me, X-Men draft. Uh, not X-Men draft. I, I realized I probably could have used a d- different term there. Uh, no mutants in this draft, but... Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, might have some special basketball players to say the least. But, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of when people say, like, oh, it's a two man draft because that horribly discounts like the depth. Like, every year we're finding someone 30 to 45 that contributes at a borderline starter all star level. It's not that uncommon. So, I hate that phrase. But at the top of the draft, there's a very clear line of who teams value in that stock. It goes in any order Jabari Smith, Paolo, Chet. And Jaden Ivey, after that, it's a crapshoot. And that's why I say Keegan Murray at five. Uh, but I do ultimately agree. We're going to be doing more of these deep dives as the draft season approaches. We're, as we're recording this, uh, we're 94 days. So when it drops, 93 days from the draft, which is actually, if I'm not mistaken, today, uh, well, two days uh, on Wednesday is three months to the date for, from the draft. So uh, we will keep it coming. We're going to do more of these deep dives where we do the strengths, weaknesses, Talk about some player comparisons and uh, and then also, you know, mock draft stuff, big boards, all of that. But thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day on this Tuesday. Leaf, you got anything for us before we go? Enjoy some more March Madness and then, yeah, put on some Keegan Murray film if, if you're if you're in lacking for basketball until Thursday. Yeah, there's a lot of content on YouTube if you don't have Synergy. Uh, if you have Synergy, you can download the full games. It's a really good investment if you're a fan of the NBA draft. But thank you so much for making Locked On NBA Draft again your first listen of the day. And for your second, go ahead. For your second listen, go ahead over to Locked On NBA. Thank you, and we will see you next week.